Welcome, I'm Ruth Frenger, founder of Conscious Leaders. Now, this podcast aims to change the world of work one honest conversation at a time. I hope you enjoy these conversations. They're with proven people leaders running highly successful businesses. And if you're interested in developing your leadership skills further, I've digested the top traits and behaviors of the best people leaders into a book. It was recently a finalist in the Business Book Awards and it's called Next Level Leadership, Nine Lessons from Conscious Leaders. To order your copy, visit consciousleaders.org.uk forward slash book. And you can also subscribe there to my bi-weekly newsletter where I share free content, including practical tools to help leaders move from good to great. So this month I'm introducing Melanie Yenkin. She's a fantastic person and has quite a journey to share. She's ex-Google and now a senior product director at LinkedIn. And I started by asking her just how she got to where she is now. I grew up in Australia, um, but my parents divorced when I was four and my father moved to London. And so I grew up going back and forth between Melbourne and London on the plane, literally flying back and forth four times a year. Uh, And then he did move to um, Palo Alto, which is, you know, in Silicon Valley. And so my life was kind of going back and forth between Melbourne, London and, and Silicon Valley. Um, and so that definitely showed me that I wanted to live abroad when I was, was older and make that as part of my career aspiration. Um, but also like something pretty informative for me in my childhood was, um, that I def I suffered like quite a lot of psychological abuse from my stepfather. And so I had to leave home when I was about 18, basically finally made the decision that I needed to find more safety for myself and protect myself. And so I just literally left home one day and then I was living on friends' couches until, you know, I was able to eventually after a year or so find um, my own apartment and and rent that out and basically make my own space. And then after a while, I decided that the best thing for me was actually leave Australia. And so I moved to London, which was the best thing for me personally and also for my career um personally I got to like separate myself from what were you know, a lot of traumatic memories and figure out who I was outside of that traumatic experience and then work-wise I had so many opportunities once I moved to London because the industry is just so much bigger um and yeah if I think about like why in particular those are informative for me I realized just how much through that experience of like advocating for myself and going through that trauma that I've just had to form so much resilience uh, and independence. But to be honest, I didn't actually deal with any of that emotion until COVID uh, when, you know, I was at home and I had all of this time to just like think and everyone, you know, we were all stressed and exhausted and suddenly everything just came to the surface and like a lot of probably like suppressed memory as well. Um, and so I spent a lot of the COVID time at home actually dealing with all of this past trauma in my childhood and basically a lot of what I had, like, I think it was like a coping mechanism. You kind of suppress that in yourself. And, and I really did, I did a lot of therapy and I kind of realized that a lot of my career has been driven by my need to create safety for myself. And the way I created that safety was to feel like I was achieving and that I was productive. And so 
I've always like been chasing these momentous like promotions or moments or like all this feedback, external feedback from my peers, my seniors, whatever it might be, so that I got those signals of safety. And I felt like, you know, I knew that I was going to be secure in that role or wherever I was. Uh, and that really d- drove me for most of my career until COVID. And now I've really been unpicking that and figuring out, you know, who who I am outside of work and basically living for myself rather than just living, you know, for this constant like productive state. Um, and I say the other thing that has definitely been super informative for me, it's got me to where I am right now, which is working as a senior product director at LinkedIn, is I spent five years in my last job at Google. And I wanted to work at Google my entire career. Like that was literally the shining light of this thing that I was aspiring to achieve. And when I got there, you know, it was amazing. Everyone I worked with was amazing, but I just had this thought of like, well, what do I do now? Like I have achieved everything I ever set out to do in my career. And then I got promoted to director whilst I was there. And I was just like, what do you do after you reach that point? And I guess I realized that I was still the same person after like achieving this goal. And I needed to have aspirations that were outside of work. Like I needed to have more value and meaning just beyond, you know, the company I worked for or the title that I had. Um, and so actually I've done all this hard work whilst I've been at Google. And I think that that moment when I first landed that job and I was like, well, what am I going to aim for next? Started this whole process for me of actually realizing, you know, what was driving me in my day at work and um, how do I basically create an identity that was separate from, you know, my career. And usually the thing that spurs on that kind of, you know, character contemplation is like you hit rock bottom. So I definitely, I totally burned out. Um, And I was in denial for a while. I think, I think before I joined Google, I had really pretty good coping mechanisms for handling work-life balance. I had pretty good boundaries. Like when I left the office, I left the office. I didn't take work home with me. Um, and when I started working at Google, like there's a common problem that a lot of people have when you join the company is that there's just so many interesting problems to work on and you have to learn the most rigorous self-prioritization, like more than I've ever had to do at any other company, because there's just an endless amount of things that you could be doing. Uh, and so all of my boundaries, like really got tested while I was there, I actually just I just lost a lot of them, right? I was just working an endless amount. Um, and, you know, when I say rock bottom, like what actually happened? Like I lost half of my hair. I gained so much weight. I was terrible. Like, I wasn't really sleeping. I was uh, crying at work a lot. Like I'd have a difficult meeting and then it would like just rock me emotionally. I would finish my work day and be so exhausted that I wouldn't be able to even have a conversation with my husband. I would just lie horizontal on the sofa um, and be, you know, like comatose because I had used up all of my energy and everything at work. Um, So I had no choice but to actually deal with it. Like I, my body, I think it's just like kind of this breakdown moment, which is actually your body saying like, Hey, something needs to change. You need to, make some significant different circumstances for yourself um so yeah and that was where I had done therapy early in my um like when I was a teenager but then that was when I decided to like 
go back to this. And I got a therapist and I got a coach uh, and I went to the doctor and I went on antidepressants and that honestly like changed my life. Like I realized just how much stress and anxiety I was managing. And when I started doing all three of those things, I just realized like I was just living in this, basically this state of like flight or f- fight or flight all of the time. Um, I was in hypervigilant state all day. So it was just extreme adrenaline usage and, and just, so that's why I'd be so exhausted when my day would finish because I was basically being triggered in this state of like not feeling safe. And it was all going back to this whole, you know, everything in my childhood and dealing with that trauma. Everything that I look at, it's like been very positive in my life has usually come from some challenge or difficult situation that's come prior to that. Um, so like I had a terrible breakup and then had this period of like being very lonely. And then I met my husband, you know, the love of my life. And it's like all of those things have to happen to like for that other thing to occur. Uh, and, or like something at work where I feel like I've learned a new skill or, you know, like I work a lot to build like very inclusive teams. And I do that because I've had all these negative experiences where I haven't felt like mm. I belong. Was that where I was going to take the conversation actually about how you think what's happened to you has informed your leadership style? I have like three kind of main values, which uh, I discovered and articulated whilst I was doing all, you know, all this work during COVID, um, which definitely drive my leadership, like everything that I do at work. So um, one of them is live with balance. Like how do I balance health, happiness and work? Um, And how do I basically prioritize the activities that I need to stay healthy? And, you know, ultimately my health and happiness are much more important than my work. And so that, value drives a lot of what I do as a leader because if I believe that for myself then I believe that for my team Um, and so I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through although it's like an epidemic I've seen so many people burn out Um, so well-being is like a core tenant of you know how I manage my teams and how we ensure that people are able to do their best work without it coming at a sacrifice to any of their mental or physical health Um, and then the other value that I have, which is lift others up, which is basically I get so much joy from helping other people succeed at their goals, especially if they've been impacted like by a broken system or something that holds them back. Uh, And I think that's really informed by the fact that myself, I like as a younger person, I had to create all the circumstance for myself. I did occasionally have these like shining star moments, which were often like quite work-related like my first creative director who I had was actually ended up becoming like family for me like he was this amazing person he made this amazing environment for me uh, when I really needed that kind of safety and he helped me grow so much in my role so those that's definitely informed how I am as a leader trying to like create that opportunity for for other people and as a part of lift up others as a value that is very much a core tenant of that is how I establish inclusive teams and, and build that space so that everyone has a voice, everyone feels like they can bring themselves to work. Um, and, you know, I have a, a bunch of ways that I try to build up that inclusive space because I've had many moments in my career where I haven't felt like I, especially early in my career, that I was 
like belonged in that room. You know, I was usually the only woman, uh, usually much younger than everyone else, uh, and you know, assumed in many cases that like I was there to literally bring the coffees or take the notes and not expected to like be contributing to the strategic discussion. Um, and so, you know, that took me building a lot of confidence to like constantly face in that kind of adversity. They're like, no, I actually am here to contribute strategically. So I'm trying to create that space so that my team don't always have to be fighting against um, that negative assumption because, you know, we have a, a, not just women, we have a lot of people from um, different backgrounds and, you know, where they might not feel like they are in the majority within that room. And my third one is realize my visions, uh, which I think is the healthy articulation of this kind of ambition that I was talking about earlier. So I basically tried to distill down, like, what is it, what are the good parts about what drives me at work? Um, and what I've realized is I love being this architect of dramatic before and afters, like taking something that might've seemed broken or forgotten and imagining the best possible vision for that and then executing on realizing that vision as quickly as possible. So it's definitely about achieving, but it's like, what is it about that that I really enjoy? And that's basically what I do at work constantly is like, you know, we work on product problems, um, help the team to like realize a vision around that and then help the team to execute against that. Mm. And how does this play out practically in terms of, so for things like, living with balance if you're trying to help your team live with balance how do you actually do that how do you enable them to do that yeah so um one of the things that i've been doing for the last few years is a thing called the well-being plan and basically came out of an initiative that i ran we did like an employee survey when i was at google we saw we had really like bad well-being in, in one of the areas one of the functions so I set up this team to run some experiments to basically say, like, what could we do to change the culture of that team so that their well-being improves? And we did, like, a bunch of things, like prioritization of work changes, um, different, like, changing the meeting setup so that we, you know, times of the hours that the meetings happen, giving people more breaks, those kinds of things. And all of those changes would have, like, very small impact if we actually looked at the survey data of like how well-being was across the entire group and what we realized is that everyone's well-being is so individualized that to do any like if you just do a systemic change across the org it's not actually going to improve everyone personally so the well-being plan is based on that ethos where we train managers to facilitate this one hour conversation with their report and this conversation and has this plan that you basically follow through all the questions in that and it starts off by defining what the individual's definition of well-being is for them. Not many people have actually done that, but it's basically what do you need to do as an individual to have good well-being, especially professionally? Like that's the focus of this conversation. Um, and for most people will say things like it's, it's the work that they're working on, like they have to be doing something that's exciting and motivating for them or it's the boundaries they need to have that help them like follow their physical, you know, and mental routines that keep them feeling well, um, you know, and there's lots of different facets and everyone has an extremely different definition. Uh, and then we have a, a, lots of conversations like what's stopping you from having that well-being definition met at work today 
Um, and then basically you come at it with a plan of like, okay, what needs to change for you as an individual so that you can achieve that? And we revisit that plan um, mm. regularly. So that sounds like a really sort of, like you said, personalised way of delving into. So what does well-being mean for you professionally? What would you do you put down as your... Uh, um, uh, yeah, exactly. So I did my own version of it. Obviously, you know, you've got to um, trial your own tools. And I ended up writing like a wellness manifesto, which is public so all of my team can see it and it's this document which is basically where I hold myself accountable to operate in a sustainable way um and it lists out my values which I already spoke to you it lists out like what motivates me at work and then it lists out like what my daily work-life balance rules are and I call them rules so those rules are that work does not distract me from doing what I need to be healthy and that's daily dog walks time to eat my healthy meals like my lunch time is like precious to me and that I need to be able to do three workouts a week and my second rule is that when I'm feeling tired or overwhelmed uh, what I call maxed out I give myself a break and I step away from work for however long I need and as I'm like right now I'm onboarding to LinkedIn I this is my fifth week and that's exhausting as you're doing that like every day your brain is taking in so much information I've had to give myself so many breaks because I've just been so tired. And so I, I just keep a really good measure of like my energy levels and basically recognizing that as soon as I'm feeling like I'm a bit tapped out, I have to go and do something away from work, rest, play, whatever it might be to make myself uh, recover that energy. Uh, I have really set meeting time. So like my regular reoccurring meetings are from usually like nine or 10 until four. I don't have any regular meetings outside of those hours. And I book one or two Fridays off a month and for like long weekends. And I take at least a week off every quarter for a good holiday. Um, so like those are like the base points that I have around like my work balance rules. But then I also have some criteria that I need from how I'm set up at work in terms of the like the working setup of my role that I found result in me having like better well-being as well. And that's things like, my team are within a certain time zone area. Um, I'm partnered up with one set of peer leads and we share like the same scope and like we share leadership of that team together um, that I feel like I have a, a small enough team that I can really mentor my reports to the level that meets that value that I shared earlier, like lift up others. Like it's really important to me that I have enough time to actually develop and kind of coach those individuals and then also it's really important that there's trust in my team. So I feel like I can be myself and that I feel safe, you know, within that space and so that others also feel that way. Mm. I don't think I've ever met a leader that's thought so thoroughly about well-being as you have, but it's really great to see. Um, I, yeah, rarely, normally I ask at the end about how people look after their well-being and there's, the normal answer is not not enough and I'm slightly neglecting myself and this and that. So um, it's really refreshing to hear you talk about all these different methods um, and how you like how you implement that. And I, the other the reason that we I mean, we've known each other for quite a few years now. But the reason I got back in touch was because I saw that you were yeah, hired by LinkedIn, but you were also really open with them in the recruitment process about what you needed in terms of well-being. Like, how, how did that go? Because that's quite good role modeling from LinkedIn there. Like, tell me tell me what that was like. And yeah doing whatever else 
Yeah, it was a really, just really interesting interview process for me because, you know, as I said earlier, I already was in my dream job at Google. You know, I was working as a design director there and in my head I was like, well, where else could I go and work? There's like, there's nowhere else better than this, even though, and I've done all this hard work to try to get this better work-life balance established and done the work to figure out, you know, how I could be more successful at Google in terms of how do I prioritize and really, you know, manage my own time better. Um, and then LinkedIn approached me on LinkedIn, obviously, and they, I had heard reputationally from people who'd worked there that they were just one of the other tech companies that, you know, potentially I could consider because they have this very um, transparent culture, like publicly amongst the tech industry for having a good focus on well-being and like work-life balance. Um, just things like the way they treated their employees during COVID um, was amazing in terms of how much flexibility they gave people, how much leave, how much support. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to have a conversation with them. It'll be really interesting, but I'm not desperate for a new job. So if I am going to take a new job, it's going to be on my own terms and it's going to be because I really feel like it's the best fit for me. And so I'm going to be really clear about what I would want and need from this company and also be very honest about who I am and my experiences. And so my presentation I had to do, I think I had like nine different touch points during this interview process, but one of them was doing about a 45 minute presentation about my leadership style and, you know, past projects that I had worked on. And my leadership style presentation was all around my three values. And so as a part of the, the value of live with balance, I literally spoke about how I'd burned out while I was at Google and I actually presented, you know, my well-being manifesto and like the conditions that I have set, you know, and how this is affecting me as a leader and how I'm trying to set up these sustainable, healthy environments for my team. Um, and, you know, that well-being is like a top thing for me. Having work-life balance is like one of my top conditions. And I'm sure there are many employers who would see that as a negative. You know, I'm literally saying like, I'm going to have hard boundaries. I'm not going to take work home with me. Um, I will ensure like I have very high standards of myself and my team to like deliver exceptional work, but I'm never going to do that at the cost of any myself or anyone in my team's health and happiness. Um, so there, like, I'm sure that that would be a condition that would be seen as a negative in other environments, but it was seen as a massive positive by my interview panel uh, at LinkedIn, which was amazing. Um, and so I've started this role and my manager now like just knows so much about me knows like about all of this experience that I've had and how I've like set up these new conditions. And what I've kind of learned over the last few years as I've been going through this journey, it's like the more open I have been, the more vulnerable I've been, the like the more I've been able to succeed within that environment or more mm -hmm. I've been able to. So like every, why do you every, think that is? Why why is the vulnerability led to? It creates this space where people then return that with this and we creates this kind of trusted environment. Uh, and it also creates connection in a way that I've never experienced before. So it just brings more meaning to the workspace. So like when I share anything that's like slightly vulnerable about, you know, I burned out or what it might be about my childhood, I'll have a few people usually reach out one-to-one -one and just say like, I, I never hear a leader talk about mental health and like, Hearing you speak about that has made me think differently about 
myself or as you know I've had in the last two weeks as I've been posting on LinkedIn about you know burning out and getting therapy and all of those things I've had like five different people message me and say I'm gonna go get therapy now can you give me some tips about how I should approach that like they're making changes in their life and like that gives me so much meaning to feel like I've helped someone to like make that decision and make a change that's going to benefit them uh, and so then my well-being benefits from knowing, you know, I've helped someone else because that's one of my values. So it's just so much to, to gain from from my perspective to like share this vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, and like and taking this back to maybe when things were less easy. So you've worked at an amazing company like Google, who no doubt extremely fast-paced, extremely um, high-achieving, um, surrounded by very high-achieving people. How is that for you? And also, how does one protect one's team in an environment that is very, you know, I think you might have even used the words of something like quietly competitive. Like, no one's overtly competitive. Everyone's really kind. But deep down, everyone's like quietly scurrying away, being brilliant, which means that there is an environment of competition. Um, so, how, yeah, I guess, how do you protect yourself or and others? What What works? What's hard? Yeah, totally. yeah so I think there's a lot of learnings in this where it took me a long time to figure out how to actually protect myself and my team in this environment. So um, what I will say is like one of the reasons that the conditions you described occur is because the people you're working with are extremely ta like talented and intelligent. Like they're the best of the best in this room. So you walk into these meetings or these teams and you're surrounded by this insanely amazing talent. So that immediately can put you on this, in this perspective of feeling a bit like an imposter in that environment. Like, am I good enough to be here? Do I need to prove myself? Because look, you know, I'm talking to this person. Oh, I invented Gmail as a 20% project and you're like, oh, I launched Google Chrome, you know, and you're just like, literally, they just feel like these giants, uh, even though they're super humble and nice, which was like really nice to see when I joined, but just exceptional talent. And so then you're immediately saying like, okay, I've got to prove myself to like, show that I'm worthy of this job and that they made the right decision. Uh, and then you get this performance management process that builds into that where you are compared against your peers. And you're also like vying against your peers for promotions. Um, and so that does create that environment of that like competitiveness in that you're comparing yourself to these other people who are exceptional. And the job you have anyway at Google is an exceptionally hard job to have. Like the, just the job description at your current level is, um, you know, a very challenging job. Um, so hence why the hiring process is so challenging. So yes, going into that, I definitely went overboard when I joined. I think this happens a lot for new joiners in that you feel this need to like prove yourself. Um, and it was that then obviously went through the burnout experience and then that literally set a level set for me, which is this like basically I had to reset this expectation. Like my job is not my identity. Like work, being a Googler is not my identity. My identity is that like I am a really creative person that I create these trusted environments and, and make people feel safe um, and that they can do the best work that they want to do, that I, you know, I have great relationships with, you know, people in my life. I'm very generous. Like these are the things that make me who I am, not my work identity. Um, and so 
that's what I've, that's definitely changed me in the workplace that I'm trying to like help my team to ensure they have that level of balance themselves. Um, and basically it's like this perspective that you have to get that trying to be as good as everyone who is around you is <laughs> this is just never ending treadmill that is going to be super unhealthy for you. Um, so another way that I do this is I have really personalized career development plans for everyone in my team and I make my managers do with their reports where we define what success would be for that individual in terms of their career and it starts very intentionally by asking them like what motivates you what gives you energy what takes away your energy uh, and then what kind of job do you think you would want to have in five years from now and that doesn't have to be a job in this team at google like what is it that would be super exciting and, and motivating for you and so how can we make what you're doing now give you the ability to like work towards that thing that you're imagining um and i find when people are have more intentionality in their career plan and then what they're doing every day at work, then that gives them a lot more satisfaction and knowing like, Hey, I I'm good. Like I know what I'm doing for my career rather than just trying to be as good as what I see everyone else is around me. Like, because I know what success is for me. So I'm getting the, that feedback and those signals that way rather than just trying to be the best. Yeah. Cause otherwise it can kind of, people can kind of be like, I'm really stressed and kind of tired and like, why bother? Whereas, um, you know, if I'm thinking about why this is meaningful, then I'm more likely to be engaged, getting more fulfillment out of it rather than just seeing it as like a job to be done. Exactly. And if all you, if your if your definition of success is just I get a high rating and I get promoted, then like you're doomed to fail. Like you're you're going to be unhappy. You because even if you get those moments, like when I had my promote, like my last few promotions, every time I get the promotion, it was this carrot that was like dangling in front of me for so long and I was chasing it and then I get it and then I'm like I'm happy for a very short amount of time and then I'm immediately like okay what so what again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not it's not something it shouldn't be the goal and the aspiration and so what I do especially with um, more junior maybe more like midweight people in my team I see a lot of people who have that especially at Google where they're like well I want to get to the senior you know I want to get to that next level it's like okay well that will come if you are working on something you're super excited about which is then allowing you to like achieve and perform at a certain level because you're getting you know so much motivation and energy like that creates those environments of success for you so let's start with that rather than what do you have to do to get to the next level so where's your leadership going then, Melanie? What's the um, what's the vision? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Like I, I've decided. Like my husband and I have this shared goal that we want to do, which we call Project Castle, um, where we're basically going to work over the next six to eight years, we both work in tech, um, and save enough money so that we can go and buy a rundown. Uh, like manor house or a castle kind of estate somewhere in the UK or in Europe, renovate that, maybe have a TV show and um, and, yeah, and then turn it, run it as a charity where we actually hire and train kind of like as a apprenticeship internship program, young people from the local area who don't have many opportunities and like teach them various aspects of the business, marketing or 
uh, hospitality or whatever it might be because we both get so much satisfaction out of that. And we'll, there will be aspects of tech in that job, but it's not going to be what we're doing today. We know that we're, we're so excited about this vision. We've renovated a lot of properties together. And like, we know that's what we're working towards. And I'm very transparent about that. Like I even said to LinkedIn, like my goal is to no longer work in tech like as soon as possible. <laughs> like <laughs> the first time in my career when my thing that I'm working towards in terms of my leadership is not another leadership position in terms of a more senior level, like within the organization. Um, and it's been really interesting when I was at Google and I got promoted to direct, I then joined this amazing group of like 90 executive design women and we had a lot like this amazing network. We went on this like two day retreat and just like a lot of time together, which was just, it was such an amazing support. But what I saw was there were a lot of other women who felt the same. Like we don't want to get any more senior. Our worst thing would be to become a VP. We don't want that role. Um, we're really happy with what we're doing now. We're actually thinking about, you know, what our exit strategies are. Like what, what is it that we're going to do to create you know, this environment for ourselves outside of our current work. And I've had a few of those women have gone and like left Google or other tech companies and like started coaching businesses and like pivoted to like very different models. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm really happy at LinkedIn. I've been there for five weeks. Um, I can see it being as a super sustainable place for me to like live to my values like I shared earlier. Um, and whilst I'm there, like I, I'm not, trying to get any more senior I'm just trying to have success in my job and be happy you know on the journey instead of this whole mindset of like I'll be happy when you know that's how I used to live I'll be happy when I get that promotion I'll be happy when I lose that weight I'll be happy when we you know, get to this milestone or whatever it might be and instead I'm just like I'm just enjoying every day and trying to just you know live in this moment rather than always thinking about like what is ahead for me and what do you want for your team? I want for my team all the things I want for myself, which, you know, like I want them to, like a lot of the conditions I set in terms of what I want out of work is what I want my team to be able to achieve and feel. Um, and, you know, I want them to be able to hopefully not have to have as, you know, traumatic experiences <laughs> as I have had, um, but still, you know, have those revelations and basically do the best work of their lives, but have fun, you know, and feel like they belong and that this is one of the best teams they've ever worked on. Thank you, Melanie. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really refreshed to know a leader who prioritizes well-being for herself and her team so highly. And she doesn't just prioritise it, she follows through with really strong boundaries and no excuses. And I'm really excited that companies like LinkedIn are looking up to that. Well, you've been listening to the Conscious Leaders podcast and I'm Ruth Ferenga. I want to facilitate honest conversations with great people leaders so you can learn from their highs and lows and take away sustainable practices and behaviours you can implement straight away. For free practical advice on how to build a calm, collaborative and productive workplace, as well as info on my number one best-selling book, Next Level Leadership, visit consciousleaders.org.uk.